time for the latest in sports debate. The hottest topics, the biggest question marks, answered right now. This is The Critical Eye with Erie Sports Now's Isaac Petcash. Well, as we record this, it is 12.15 in the morning, Central Time, 1.15 a.m. on Monday, January 24th, 2022. Just a couple of hours after arguably the greatest playoff game I've ever seen, clearly the greatest playoff game of a divisional weekend, and the craziest ending that I may have seen to a football game in quite some time. Welcome to the Critical Eye Podcast on Monday. Isaac Petcast, Jovan Johnson. Jovan, you and I in Kansas City right now. Uh, we can't sleep. That's why we're recording this podcast right now. <laughs> let's, let's take a moment to just figure out where to start with this game. Um, there's a lot of factors, right? Josh mm-hmm. Allen, amazing game. Patrick Mahomes, incredible with what he did on Sunday night. But I want to start with this. You know, I've never understood the idea of prevent defense, especially in a situation where it's a one-score game. I don't know how many times I've seen a team or a defense line up guys 30 yards down the field and accomplish their goal of stopping a team, whether that's giving up a field goal, whether that's giving up a touchdown or whatnot. And when you're the Buffalo Bills and you're the number one defense in the NFL and you've had such a great prowess all season long, your defense is the reason why you are here, theoretically. And you watch and you sit back and you allow Kansas City to drive 50-plus yards in 10 seconds. That, to me, signifies you don't have trust. And that's a problem. Uh, let, let's start there, Jovan. What what do you make of that? Because I just, I, I can't seem to understand how on earth prevent defense makes sense. I mean, it, it calls for it in certain times, you know, different amounts of time on the play clock or the uh, game clock uh, will tell you whether or not you should be in a prevent style of defense. Um, if a team has the ball and they're, down by three points with 13 seconds left, that doesn't warrant a prevent defense. That warrants you to play the typical defense that you would play on every down basis. Um, A prevent situation would be less than five seconds on the clock. They got one play, they got a score. Yeah. Then, okay, that makes more sense to be in prevent. Or you're up by multiple scores, and they're just trying to get the ball so that – they can get in a position to score and then try to get an onside kick. You know, prevent is more warranted for those situations versus the situations that the uh, Buffalo Bills were in uh, last night. And uh, it it came back to bite them in the butt that they were playing so soft and, and being in that prevent style of defense because in 10 seconds you gave up 50 yards, which is ridiculous. That is yeah. like one of the most unbelievable – uh, things that I've ever seen, and it's crazy how that game ended. I, I'll tell you what. If I'm Leslie Frazier, I'm crying this morning. And, and I and I just, you know, 42-36, to 36, to me, I understand the defense wasn't playing well. But in that scenario, 
you have to make a conscious decision. And you have to say if you're Leslie Frazier, or even if you're Sean McDermott, the head coach, you have to ask yourself, do I trust my defense to stop Kansas City for 13 seconds? Doesn't have to be for 30. Doesn't have to be for a full minute. 13 seconds. And what that signified to me is that they they didn't trust their defense enough. And I don't want to hear anybody out there today, because I know there are plenty of people who are saying, well, they, they played they played off, they played prevent because their defense was gassed. They had no energy. And they, they were worried that Tyreek Hill was going to beat them deep. Give me a break. Are you kidding me? Number one. Those teams, those positional groups, the offense and defenses were changing field consistently in the final two minutes. No one was gassed. Those drives were so quick that you were getting on and off the field in a jiffy. Okay, that's number one. Number two, if you're worried that you're so tired that Tyreek Hill is going to beat you deep, well, then you shouldn't even be in the football game. Okay, I don't want to hear I don't want to hear that. If you think Tyreek Hill can beat you deep with 13 seconds to go, that's scary as the number one defense in football. And, Jovan, you made a good point before we started the podcast. Kansas City wasn't even going to try for a touchdown. Why would they? Because that's either you get it or you don't, right? Yeah, in those situations, I mean, you're down three points with 13 seconds left. Theoretically, if you're going to try to score a touchdown in 13 seconds – I mean, and you got to go practically the length of the field. That's nearly impossible. Um, you know, most of the time, if you get a big play, it'll take five, six, seven seconds off the clock. So trying to get in a, in a – I mean, most teams, they'll try to get the ball to the 50-yard line and then try to go for the Hail Mary um, if they're going to try to score a touchdown. But in, in a situation where you're down three and you got three timeouts – Nine times out of ten, you're always going to play for the tie to go into overtime so that you can give yourself a chance to be able to go out there and win the game. And that's what Kansas City did. They weren't looking to go score a touchdown. No. They were looking to get in field goal range. That's why when Kelsey caught that pass, he got down and he called a timeout immediately so that the field goal unit could come on the field. Otherwise, he would have ran and tried to score a touchdown. And let's be honest. I don't care whether you have Patrick Mahomes on your team. I don't care whether it's Josh Allen, Justin Herbert. There is not a single team in football that is going to score a touchdown with 13 seconds to go in a football game down by three. Not one. It's just not possible. Unless there is a massive blowing coverage, a blowing assignment, it's just not going to happen. I'm sorry. And, and, and you know, as, as much credit as we give the Buffalo defense, and they were tremendous all season, you've got to step up when the time presents itself. I know it's Patrick Mahomes. I know it's Tyree Kill. I know it's Travis Kelsey. But man, you had a chance, Buffalo D, to make a statement to prove that you were indeed that number one defense that you claimed to be. And I'm not saying you had to give up 20 points or fewer. But make the stop. Make the play. And he couldn't do it. And Buffalo is now sitting at home today as they come back for the flight. So, Jovan, that's that's elephant number one in the room. Here's the second elephant in the room. I don't believe a game's won or lost on one or two plays. I think there are plenty of things Buffalo could have done that could have won them the game earlier. But something's going to be done about overtime. At what point are we going to have to have a conversation 
about this overtime rule. At what point, how many examples do you have to have if you're the NFL to change this overtime rule? Josh Allen goes out into the field last night. He calls tails. And as soon as that co- that coin comes up heads, the game's over. I mean, did, did you not see the last two minutes of the game? 25 points in a minute and 52 seconds. Those offenses were going down at will. There was no stopping them. Mm-hmm. So my question is this. What what happens if the overtime rules are different? I know how they're I don't know how they they change. You can make the argument that they should be different, you know, how the rules should be different. But what if Josh Allen gets a chance to touch the football? And I think it's a travesty that a game that was so good at the end has to end like that. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Very unfortunate. You know, when you think about the overtime rules and and all of the different leagues out there, you know, college football, for example, in college football, both teams get the opportunity to possess the ball, whether they score a field goal, touchdown, whatever the case may be. They still get the opportunity to possess the ball to go and try to get a a score or try to tie the game back up. Uh, In the NFL, you know, the only way – that you get a possession is if the other team does not score a touchdown, which is tragedy because you leave teams like the Buffalo Bills wondering what if, what could have, what should have happened. Um, you know, the fact that the last two minutes of that game were were probably the best two minutes of football has ever seen. You didn't you didn't want it to end that way. You didn't want it to end with just one possession in overtime them scoring a touchdown and the game being over. You wanted to see what the Buffalo Bills were going to do to respond. Now, you give Josh Allen credit, right? Um, After the game, he was asked about the rule, asked if he would change it, and he said, you know, it's the rule's the rule for a reason, and if we were on the winning side of things, we'd be celebrating. We wouldn't be saying anything. So, you know, you got to credit Josh Allen for what he said. But to me, it's a travesty that either team had to lose that game, but especially for Josh Allen. I don't think people realize how immensely talented of a quarterback he is Mm -hmm. in the way that he ran the football last night, in the way that he threw the ball. And to me, it's amazing, you know, if you ask people, unbiased fans today, who would you rather have as your quarterback, Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes? I think people would say Patrick Mahomes. He's won a Super Bowl. He's been a league MVP. He has a $500 million 10-year contract. But when you look at the last three games between Allen and Mahomes when they play each other, the numbers are strikingly similar. Both quarterbacks going into the game last night, the last two times they had played, had a completion percentage hovering around 60%. Both have thrown five touchdowns, both have thrown two picks. Patrick Mahomes had a passer rating of just over 120. Josh Allen's passer rating was 124. Let me read you the stats from last night. Josh Allen goes 27-37, 329 yards, four touchdowns, and a passer rating of 136. Patrick Mahomes goes 33-44, of 44, 378 yards, and three touchdowns. Allen outduels his counterpart in the passing game. In the running game, Allen, 11 carries, 68 yards. Mahomes, 7 carries, 69, and a touchdown. They were dead even. And as a road quarterback in a road environment in the loudest stadium in football, Let me just say this. Buffalo fans, clearly right now, you're not feeling well. But A, you've got your quarterback in the future. 
And is it too much to say that Josh Allen's a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes right now? Because that, because that be th- a, because there is an argument to be made. There there's an argument to be made for sure, but I just think right now Patrick Mahomes has done more. He's he's accomplished more. He's won a Super Bowl. He's won a league MVP. So to say that Josh Allen is a better quarterback right now is is an argument. There's there's a case for Josh Allen because he consistently goes out there, he puts the team on his back, and he wins. Um, he doesn't have the same caliber of playmakers, the uh, explosive playmakers that you know Patrick Mahomes has, but he does have some very talented receivers. You know, but and they, the the Kansas City Chiefs dynamic playmakers are guys that can take the ball zero to a hundred real fast. Um, and Josh Allen isn't. He, his guys are more, you know, I can get the ball down the field, let's make some make some plays and, and let's get it in the end zone. But, you know, they don't have that same explosive nature. So uh, the stats are going to be staggering towards Patrick Mahomes than a, than a guy like Josh Allen just because he can throw an 80-yard pass in the, or a five-yard pass and it turns into 80 with Tyreek Hill and company. Okay, so let's let's get into this. We've talked about the two elephants of the room. We've talked about Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. Let me throw this out there for Bills fans. And I hate to pour gasoline on the fire, but I, I need I need to address something that I said earlier in the week. When we talked about the New England-Buffalo game last week, the one thing that I said was, if not now, when, right? Buffalo has been second fiddle to New England in the AFC East all the way up until the last couple of years, but they needed to truly find a way to become that best team in the division, right? You win your division, great. But that was your chance in the wild card round for Buffalo. Get past New England. You're the new head honchos. You cement your dominance. And they did. But now you sit there for Buffalo, and the expectations, I think, Jovan, they've changed, right? We've heard coach head coach Sean McDermott. We've heard Josh Allen say, it's not good enough to just win the division anymore. It's not good enough to have a solid record. It's not good enough to win a lot of your regular season games convincingly. We now want to win divisional rounds, AFC championship games, Super Bowl, if they're able to make it there. I don't think there's any shock that these two teams met up last night, and I think they're going to probably meet up again. And I said last week, if not now, when for Buffalo? Most talented roster that they've had, clearly in the last three years that they've been into their playoff run. The best defense that they've had, the number one overall defense in the NFL that didn't come to play last night. Great special teams unit in Matt Hack, who had a good punting game last night, and Tyler Bass, as your kicker. And you were playing a Kansas City team that hadn't figured it out the whole season. They were struggling. Travis Kelsey wasn't playing his best. Tyreek Hill was banged up throughout the season. Patrick Mahomes, it took him about seven weeks to figure things out. This was not the Kansas City team that we had expected to roll through the season. And still, still you couldn't get it done. So here's my thing. Buffalo, what do you have to do to get over the hump? What can you do to get better? Uh, Jovan, I don't know. I, I don't know what you do going into the offseason to get better because that was one of the best games they could have played, and it still wasn't good enough. Absolutely. I mean, they played their tails off 
and they still didn't pull it out. Uh, Josh Allen, you know, and my heart hurts for a guy like that that goes out there, you know, he brings his lunch pail to work and he goes out there and, and he puts on a performance like that, and then they still lose. Um, but in the end, there's going to be some decisions that need to be made, those tough conversations behind closed doors with general managers and personnel uh, department. Um, they're going to look to see who's out there in free agency that that can be brought in to uh, enhance their roster. Who's going to be able to bolster that roster to make them uh, get back to this stardom and, and be able to, to come back here and, and play Kansas City again uh, next year in the playoffs. Um, but right now, they got a lot of question marks. You know, if not when, I mean, if not now, when, you know, they got some things that they, that need to be addressed. You know, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, possibly leaving for head coaching opportunities. You know, and then you got some free agents coming up on the market. And, you know, what are you going to do to ensure that you get back to this moment? Um, this moment is, is everything. You know, being able to, to win this game would have gave you, put you that much closer to, to winning or being able to go to the uh, Super Bowl and host a, a AFC uh, championship game at home. You know, you, you got some big question marks that need to be answered. Let me throw this out there. Um, and Bills fans might get mad at me for this, but I think it's, a, it's, it's applicable and acceptable to put this out there. After the game, there were a couple of sports media reporters for Kansas City and Buffalo that said this is the new Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady rivalry. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes is the modern-day version of two Hall of Famers that will likely be considered the greatest, and in at least the top five QBs of all time. But what did we see in the Peyton Manning-Brady rivalry? It was great to watch him play, but we always knew there was one quarterback that had the edge. And when they played each other, it was clear. It wasn't that it was a big edge. It wasn't that it was a completely dominant performance. It wasn't that Brady shellacked Manning every time they played. But you always knew at the end of the game, that there was one quarterback who was going to get it done over the other. And until 2006, that was the case. It took Peyton Manning a while to get over that hump. And when he did beat Brady, he got to that Super Bowl and did win that Super Bowl, the only one he won with Indianapolis. But this is, this is why I get worried for the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen's a remarkable quarterback. He's going to be the future of the team for the next 10 to 15 years, maybe even longer if Buffalo lets him be there for that long. But just like Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, the Colts had their kryptonite. And Kansas City's not going anywhere, Jovan. So is, is it fair to say that this is a Brady-Manning thing? And, and what we're seeing is Patrick Mahomes has taken the, the aura of Tom Brady and Josh Allen just simply hasn't figured out a way to get over the hump yet. Yes, I mean, that's, that's a, a very outstanding statement. Um, one that is applicable to, you know, this modern day rivalry that's starting to brew. Um, Peyton and Tom Brady, two of the greatest ever. And anytime that they stepped on the field against one another, you knew that fireworks were going to fly because they were going to make play after play after play. And they did just that throughout their entire careers. Didn't matter if they were playing against each other, if they were playing against other people, it didn't matter. Those guys were going to be the epitome of what Hall of Fame quarterback play looked like. 
And now Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes are barking up that same tree. But Mahomes and company, you if for the Buffalo Bills to get over the hump, they're going to have to just continue to build off of the success that they've had because it took Peyton Manning a little while to, to figure it out against Tom Brady. And I think it's going to take Josh Allen a little while to figure it out against Patrick Mahomes. But I think he's very close. I think it, the, the margin of, of victory is very slim. And I think that he's gained some ground on Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think he knows in his heart that he can beat them. And he's going to do it eventually. Here's what worries me for the Bills when I look at the stat sheet from last night's game. If you look at the receiving totals for Buffalo... And take out Gabriel Davis, who had a monster day and, to me, I think is probably now the number two wide receiver for Buffalo behind Diggs, Dawson Knox, a tight end. We're not counting him in that. But you look at the, the other statistical comparisons. Emmanuel Sanders, one catch. Dawson Knox, two catches, nine yards. Stephon Diggs, three catches, seven yards. Here was the difference in the game. Kansas City stopped the Buffalo Stars. Buffalo couldn't stop Kansas City's. And I worry because even on a night where your role players played a role, whether it was Gabriel Davis with his huge night, Devin Singletary, who was catching some balls out of the backfield and was basically singularly responsible for the opening drive touchdown for Buffalo, even on a night where your role players are playing very well, you still can't put the whole cake together. You still can't have the entire pie. And this is where I get worried, Jovan. Anytime a very good team loses a very close game, what's the storyline? Well, they need more depth, right? They need more. They need better positional players. They need more defensive linemen. They need a, a you know a secondary wide receiver. We saw with Tampa, they could have used Antonio Brown or Chris Godwin, who was on the injury list. Mm-hmm. But Buffalo has got that. So as you go into the offseason, what do they need? What more can they add? Is there anything in particular? I think running back. I think that's a position that they, they need to add. I think they need to look for a workhorse of a back, a guy who is big, physical, could run between the tackles, uh, you know, somebody that can put their head down and get you three, four yards, five yards, six yards on first down. Um, because coming out and passing the ball on first down over and over and over again just goes to show that they don't trust the run game. Maybe they bring in an offensive lineman uh, that's going to change the narrative of of the way they play up front. Uh, Somebody that's going to be nasty, mean, physical, uh, and just get after people. And then maybe they could bring those other offensive linemen along to play that same style of ball, and then maybe they could be able to run the ball uh, more effectively. You know, and we know they can protect Josh Allen, but we we have yet to see them consistently – run the ball, impose their will on the other team's defensive line, and know that they're going to move the line of scrimmage and the running back is going to get downhill and, and move the chains. It's so hard because I think you can't put a button on how Buffalo lost this game. I mean, you know, I, I could say to me that maybe Josh Allen is being asked to do too much, right? He threw the ball 37 times. They had him run the ball 11 times. But – that's, that was okay with Allen. I mean, he, he looked comfortable in his element. And, I, and I'm a little worried 
that the Bills are starting to become a one-dimensional team. And and I'm not going to say they're the Pittsburgh Steelers of 2019-2020. I, I think this is a very much more talented team with significantly better players and a better upside. But when you start relying on one guy to win you football games, no matter how good he is, you're not going to have success. Look at Tampa yesterday. Leonard Fournette comes back. He's not productive. Tom Brady can't even carry the team on his shoulders as the greatest quarterback of all time. When he was with New England, right? If not for him, Patriots wouldn't have half the Super Bowls that they have. But they relied on Brady so much, and in the end, Tennessee figured out the Patriots. And that's what led Brady, in my opinion, to leave. But I think when you look at this rivalry in particular... What the Chiefs have been able to do so much better than Buffalo is they've been able to spread the wealth. And even though they know Patrick Mahomes is their savior, they can give the ball to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. They gave the ball to Jarek McKinnon. They ran fancy-dancy plays that some of them didn't work. Kansas City's willing to spread the wealth around, and that's why they're so unpredictable. Do you think Buffalo maybe became a little predictable late? And, And that's what... That's what decided the game. Maybe even on the defensive end, and the fact that they played two high safeties for nearly the entire game. Yeah, I think defensively, they were very much predictable the entire game. Um, the first quarter, they were... Kansas City was trying to figure them out. Figure out what they were doing, how they were trying to defend them, and, and all of those things. And then, once they got it figured out, going into the second quarter... Uh, minus Patrick Mahomes running with his legs in that first quarter, the Bills basically controlled the game. And then once Kansas City figured it out and they started to methodically move the ball up and down the field, they made explosive plays. You know, Tyreek Hill made some catches, you know, and then he went crazy in the second half and, and broke a couple long ones for touchdowns. And then Travis Kelsey started to get going. Once, once they started to get going, their stars – in Kansas City, it was trouble and mayhem for Buffalo Bills. But then Josh Allen got going, and he started to go to Gabriel Davis, and Gabriel Davis was getting open, and then and then it started to become a shootout, and it was going back and forth and back and forth, and then once all of those things settled down, Patrick Mahomes and all his playmakers just they came through for the team in the clutch. At what point? You, you've played, you know how it is. You have played in rivalry games before. At what point does your mental spirit, if it does it all, break when you're playing that team? Because Buffalo knows for the next few years, the road's got to go through Kansas City, right? Chiefs aren't going anywhere. At what point, if you're the Bills, do you say to yourself... What are we going to do? And you throw your hands up in the air. Because like we said, this was the best chance for them to beat Casey in our estimation. And they couldn't do it. I mean, I don't want to say this is the end of the line, but there's got to be a mentality in that locker room where you think to yourself, what more do we have to do? Sometimes, you know, when you get in situations like these, like you played them in the AFC Championship last year and they beat you. And then you, you kind of, get in a situation where you're playing them again in a division around this year and they beat you mentally it takes a toll on you to think 
you know, maybe they're still having lingering effects from last year, thinking maybe it's not their time just yet. Maybe they they can't get over the hump just yet. You know, that has to be a wholesale mind shift uh, amongst the whole entire team. I mean, I'm I'm sure there's guys in the locker room that remember last year, and that memory kind of is like a dark cloud over them, and they just didn't go out and perform well enough. And the defense, they played well at times, but then there were times where, you know, they leave you scratching your head, like, what is going on? Um, you know, and then a couple times they extended drives by by having penalties and things of that nature. And you can't have that. In games like these, you can't have those mental breakdowns. You can't have those big plays giving up, 20-plus yard plays. You can't have that. And and that's where the game was kind of lost for Buffalo is that they weren't able to get off the field on third down. And they weren't able to stop Kansas City from getting those big 20-yard plays. So we got to make sure that they understand that they have to have a wholesale mind shift that lets them know that they are in prime position to be able to take down what other people consider the juggernaut. You're right there. You're very close. You know, James Franklin, head coach of Penn State, I think it was four years ago, gave a really good line after his team lost to Ohio State at home. It was the third year in a row that the Buckeyes had beaten the Nittley Lions, and this was around the time, of course, that Franklin had really started to build back up the Penn State program. We know that he just signed an extension. But he said in the postgame press conference, quote, we're, we're a great program, and we have the tools necessary to become an elite program. But we're not an elite program yet because elite programs are capable of beating other elite programs. Maybe it's that. Maybe Buffalo is great. A great football team, the number one defense, a stud quarterback, maybe top three in the NFL. But the difference between the great and the elite programs are 13 seconds. Right? They're those short moments, those little snippets of time where you don't get to make second decisions. You don't have the opportunity to think twice. You gotta just go for it. And maybe that was the difference last night between great and elite. Kansas City's been there before. They figured it out. Buffalo hadn't, and that was the problem. Um, Jovan, I, I want to get in. I want to get into the off season here as as we finish this episode because I think it's important to talk about. We've touched on some things. I think there are some things the Bills can improve upon, right? The linebacking course got to get a little bit better. I think Travis Kelsey late in the game was critical for, for the Bills' uh, defense who couldn't stop him in Tyreek Hill. But if you sit down and you're Brandon Bean, what do you start with in the offseason in trying to construct a team that is capable of not just beating KC but winning it all? Uh, first is going to be – constructing an offense and defensive coordinator um, if those guys were to leave and get head coaching jobs. that though, That's the number one most important fact um, of a decision that needs to be made. Uh, number two is, with that being said, what playmakers are out there for you to go get, especially for the inside linebackers, um, that is going to allow you to be successful versus teams like – 
mm-hmm. you know, Kansas City with a Patrick Mahomes or, you know, these teams that have dynamic tight ends because that is a part of their job is to be able to protect the middle of the field. Um, but they also, I think, are going to need to go get another corner. I mean, who knows what Tredavious White's status will be. Boy, could they have off. used him last night. Oh, yeah, they definitely oh, could have used goodness. him. With him coming off of ACL, um, who knows what he's going to look like when he gets back. But I, I do know one thing, the two corners that they had have right now that played in the game, I mean, they, they gave up some plays. And they're going to need another young corner, a dynamic guy who can lock up and play coverage uh, because – they're going to have to play Kansas City again, you know. And, I mean, a, a running back, I think, is, is a is a vital position because Devin Singletary is really good, but he's not an in-between-the-tackles type of guy. And they, they're going to need a guy who can run between the tackles. I'm not a video game guy, but I want to give this analogy on behalf of Joe Lidneski, who is, is not in Kansas City with us, but I think would appreciate this, normally part of the podcast. Um, you know, the the – Older video games, when you would go on these missions, right, and you had to play this final boss, and the first couple times you couldn't beat the final boss, and so you turned the game off, but you knew you still had to play the final boss. That's Buffalo. And that's the thing that I think is incredible, is you know you're going to have to play this team again. You're going to get a chance to play this team again. And how you beat them is is a great question. It's We're a half hour into the show, and I'm still amazed that Buffalo's lost this football game. Um, you know, 13 seconds to go, all of that, and with the margins so thin, makes you wonder when are they going to get back to this point. Um, it's really hard to say anything else, Joe. And I guess I guess we'll wrap with this. If you're a Buffalo Bills fan, you're going into the off season now. Is there optimism or any reason for you to believe? that this team is capable of beating this team in Kansas City in the next couple of years? You always have that optimism, especially as a fan, but also as a player in the locker room, Um, especially when you lose in such close game in the fashion that you lost this one in overtime. I think you have that confidence that you know that you can go out there and compete and play well and be able to take these guys down. But – until it's until it happens, I mean, it's still just a question mark because you you can't have confidence in doing something that you've never done before. So I mean, they're they're gonna have to to go to back to the drawing board, see where they went wrong, evaluate, self evaluate, look in the mirror, and be honest with themselves and say, hey, this is where we need to get better. This is where we need to improve. This is what happened. This is why we lost this game. And then, you know, once they find those answers, get them corrected and then come back to this point and be ready to go and be able to play the game for 60-plus minutes. You know, last year I think you and I would agree that the loss at the time was probably beneficial for Buffalo, right? They weren't as good as Kansas City in the AFC Championship game, and the Chiefs showed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not so sure you can classify this loss as a good loss, one that the one that you might be able to remember and and use as motivation, because this loss feels different. I, am I wrong to say that? No, because it, they were ever so close, and I think that last 13 seconds, 
is going to come back to haunt a bunch of these guys on the defensive side of the ball because they weren't able to capitalize on the moment and be in the moment and seize the moment. Um, I think they allow one to slip away, and, and they know that they allow one to slip away. So we'll have to see what they do going forward. But definitely this this loss is, was one of those ones that you look back on and just shake your head and say we should have won that game. Don't want to put the pressure, I don't want to put more hurt on Bills fans, but run the 100 meters, update your Facebook status, make a first impression, find something or do a Google search, send a text message, download an application, buy something on eBay or look at something on eBay or make a paper airplane if you're very good at that. Those are all the things that you can do in 13 seconds. And that number will live in infamy for Bills Mafia as they fall to the Chiefs, 42-36 in overtime the final. Jovan Johnson, of course, joining me. We'll be back in Erie coming up on Tuesday, and we'll have more on the Critical Eye podcast on Friday as we got some other games to preview. We'll also talk about the Bills, the Steelers, and the Browns. Who's in the best position for the offseason? And is there any room to look upward for any of these three teams? Bills fans, I don't know what to tell you. Um... I feel for you, and for anyone who watched that game last night, I think there was every reason to believe, Jovan and I believed, <laughs> we thought Buffalo was headed to the AFC Championship game. Uh, but they are not, and we'll see if next year brings any better luck. We'll see you all on Friday, another episode of the Critical Eye Podcast. Thanks for joining us from Kansas City, everyone. Enjoy your Monday, enjoy the rest of your week, and if you're going to work, get some sleep. We hope you have a good one.